This episode features the second half of our interview with Dr. Jack Ireland. Following on from our discussions on what he's worked on, we find out a bit more about his experiences at NASA, esoteric hobbies, and some more of his thoughts on America and Scotland. Enjoy listening! You're listening to Insight, the University of St. Andrews Student Physics Society's podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Avery. Join us as we journey into the lives of St. Andrews academics, discovering their passions, inspirations, and motivations. How much interaction do you have with other like NASA institutes in the line of heliophysics research? Is Goddard Space Flight Center the leading institute for that, or? Uh, Goddard Space Flight Center is the leading uh, inst- uh, NASA institute for uh, solar physics, um, but there are other uh, places that that do some uh, solar uh, physics, notably uh, Marshall Space Flight Center in uh, Alabama. But that group there is not as big as the one at Goddard. So Goddard is a is the center of mass, I would say. What do you consider to be the next milestone for space exploration? Space exploration in general, or for solar physics? If you want to talk specifically about solar physics, yeah, that works too. So specifically for solar physics, then there are three major facilities that will be coming online very soon. There's the Daniel K. Inui Solar Telescope, which is a gigantic telescope on Hawaii, which will have amazing spatial resolution and will have detail on the, uh, on the solar surface like we've never seen before. And next up is the um, Solar Orbiter, which is a, a European Space Agency-led mission, which is going to be a high-inclination uh, orbiting mission. Um, so. The, uh, most of our information about the, the sun comes from basically looking along the sun-earth line. But if you get out of the plane of the ecliptic, you can look down on the sun. And that's important because that's a, you know, like the poles of the sun are not, they're kind of relatively unexplored. And given that the, earth, the, sorry, the sun is a giant magnet, then the... Um, it's important that we know a lot more about the um, the uh, magnetic field of the sun, the acceleration processes that are going on there. Um, and we'll also get closer to the sun, and so we'll have um, like it's unexplored territory really. And the other, the third one is a, a NASA-led mission called uh, Solar Probe Plus, which is. Um, a mission which is going to be essentially like an artificial comet that is going to get even closer to the sun than a solar orbiter and take different sets of measurements. And so the two missions are kind of complementary. So I think those are kind of like tremendously, those three facilities are going to be tremendously exciting um, uh, sources of, of data for uh, solar physics in the years to come. It's a very exciting time for solar physics then. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And obviously, NASA, it's, it's one of the big institutes in physics and it's seen as a very, very cool thing and place to work at. 
So is there something that you consider to be the, the coolest thing at NASA, either at Goddard or elsewhere? The coolest thing at NASA? Wow. I mean, there's so many. So, I mean, it just depends what floats your boat, really. So, like, I saw the uh, JWST uh, a few weeks ago, and so that is just a beautiful-looking, crazy space telescope like nothing you've ever seen before it's just it's just incredible and then when you think about when you look at the facilities that nasa has like i've been fortunate enough to see some um, space shuttle launches and those are just incredible the sky like lights up i've seen two shuttle launches both of them at night and the sky lights up and turns blue and and 30 seconds later, the, the rocket's, you know, so far away. It's just it's just an incredible sort of um, thing to see. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, NASA does a lot of uh, cool stuff. And you take your pick over what you like. So much to choose from, yeah. And being a researcher at NASA has seemed to be a cool job. But what job do you think's cool? Do you think being a movie star is, like... The next coolest thing, or do you think you've got it? The coolest job. <laughs> uh, well, it depends what you like, right? I mean, but for you specifically, I like my job. I enjoy it. I think it's cool. Now, if I'd been a better break dancer, I would have been happy with that. But would I have been good at it? Probably not. So that's it. NASA researcher, then breakdancing. Excellent. <laughs> Looking forward, NASA and others plan to put a human on Mars. Would you be volunteering to go? Would you be up for that? Would I go to Mars? I don't know if I would, actually. Like, it's so hard to conceive of all that that would entail. Like, you know, the months and months it would take to get there months coming back I mean it's just like it's on I find it almost inconceivable like it's incredibly exciting but like I have a really hard a really hard time picturing me doing that like maybe you know they say that the person the first person who's going to walk on Mars has already been born but I've been hearing that for a long time so that guy when I first heard it is probably quite old by now <laughs> but you just never know so um I guess we'll find out one day, but it might not be you then. It's probably not me, so but it could be it could be you. <laughs> Maybe. Um if you were to go to say Mars or, you know, any desert island of your choosing, what are kinda free things that you would have to take along? Definitely a good book or a large collection of books. Because it's gonna it's a long journey to get to Mars, I think. Definitely. Probably take a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, you would need to, to keep yourself busy. What a difficult question. I don't know what I would take to Mars. How much stuff am I allowed? Like a crate of beer? Because I would definitely take, crate a, of beer. Okay. <laughs> I would take a crate of... I really like a Belgian beer called Duvel. So I would definitely take some of that. So books, Belgian beer. And... Yeah, I probably wouldn't take enough to uh, for the entire trip. <laughs> There'd be no room for anyone else. Don't know. I have a lack of imagination on this part. Well, books and Belgian beer—that's that's two pretty good things to take to Mars. So you you've mentioned that you've researched in 
you know, multiple countries. What are kind of the a pro and a con of each of the countries that you researched in there? In terms of living there? Living or academically, yeah. In my experience, it doesn't really matter where you move. You're going to have some tough times just at the start because you really don't know where anything is or, or who anyone is. So there's not, like, I don't believe there's, you know, a country which is better or worse to move to from, from that respect. It's going to be a challenge when you get there. So, like, and so when I moved to the United States, like, I didn't know where the shoe shops were or chemists are called pharmacies here, that kind of thing. So, and then when I lived in Italy, then... That was tough because I didn't really speak any Italian. But, um, you know, I've got other colleagues who have lived in Portugal and Japan and all over the world. And so you make the best of it. But the initial time is normally the, the toughest part in moving. That was my experience. If there were something that you'd wish you'd known in the past, what would it be and when would you have wanted to know it? Well, if I'd known that Prince William was going to go to St Andrews, I would have bought a house there just before he arrived. <laughs> <laughs> that, would have been a, that would have been a good idea. Smart move, yeah. Yeah, but um, looking, you know, what have I learned from my experience? Uh, nothing. That's it, the singular piece of information. <laughs> the singular piece of information is... What I've learned, at least from the research career, is that um, you really have to make uh, your own opportunities, I think. You, know, you will get chances along the way, and sometimes you have to sort of stir things up to, to make your own chances. So I would, I would say that is definitely something that, um, uh, that I've learned. That sounds a solid piece of advice. If there were one event in all of history that you could have witnessed, what would the event be? Maybe you've seen it yourself, actually. I would have liked to have seen the the first playing of Stravinsky's Rite of Spring in the early 20th century. That is something I would have liked to have been there. It's a ballet, right? And by the end of the first performance, people were fighting. Because the music was so, and the music and the choreography had was so upsetting that the the people of the time just didn't know how to handle it, so they just started fighting. So I really would have liked to have seen that. That does sound quite the show. I really like that piece of music. It's a piece of time where um, things changed, Western music changed at that point, and I would have really liked to have seen that. Excellent. Yeah. Is there something that you wish you'd learned by this point or have done by now? Is it speaking Italian? <laughs> so I guess another way to put that is like, what can I do in the future that I haven't done already, right? And so I think I definitely want to see more total solar eclipses. That's, uh, I've seen one and it's just fantastic. I would definitely uh, want to see that. Uh, I want to see more of them. Uh, aside from like just you know traveling and sort of experiencing the like Southeast Asia is one place that I would really like to go. So a solar eclipse in Southeast Asia would take the biscuit. So I've been to Japan, so that was pretty cool. 
uh, and I've seen a solar eclipse, but those things are quite can be quite addicting. There's, there's something new that I haven't done before. I would like to cycle across the United States. That's something that a lot of people do, and uh, or a surprising number of people do. And I quite I quite like cycling anyway, so mm -hmm. uh, taking like three or four months off to do that would be just would be wonderful. Sounds a mighty challenge, yeah. Is there a hobby that you used to enjoy when you were younger and you maybe don't do so much now or enjoy so much now? I used to collect cigar bands, you know, the little piece of paper that you get around cigars. So I used mm -hmm. to collect them. It's not a popular hobby in, in the UK, but it's popular in other parts of the world. I used to really enjoy that, but uh, that is something now that I don't, yeah, I don't do. I gave up smoking when I was eight. <laughs> What's the most extreme hobby that you have? The most extreme. <laughs> is it is it long distance cycling, skydiving? No skydiving. No, it's not really like. Long distance cycling is not, uh, you know, I'll go out and cycle for 80 miles or so, and that's not particularly long. That's fine. I don't really have any extreme hobbies, none that I consider extreme, and I don't think anyone else would consider extreme. Do you have any extreme hobbies? Podcasting? Not that I can think of. <laughs> hey, who's doing this interview? <laughs> Do you use social media a lot? I do not use social media a lot, no. So, you know, I'm on Facebook, I have a, a Twitter presence, although I should say HeloViewer has a, a Twitter uh, presence. Um, yeah, I don't really use uh, Facebook that much. I like, I'll check in once once a month or something like that. So, and anyway, is, is Facebook a, a thing? Is that still a thing? Very much so, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Strength to strength. Are there any sports personalities or celebrities that you wish you could meet? What's his name? Stephen Redgrave, the rower. To do what he did over so many uh, different Olympic Games, I mean, that's quite quite something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be, uh, be interesting to talk to him. I don't know, like, it depends, like... The guy I would like to talk to would be like the guy who runs the marathon and takes six and a half hours, right? He's just like, he's not like a famous guy. He's like, why did you run that marathon? How long did it take you to to run that? Uh, you know, how long was the training? Why did you do it? All that stuff. That's the like, because, you know, they're doing it for different reasons than the guy who's trying to win the thing, right? So, like the stories mm -hmm. that you can get from from those people, I think would be would be uh, more relatable. So the motivations are more interesting to you. Yeah, the motivations I think are um, more interesting. So. Yeah. Excellent. What's the most jarring difference between American and Scottish lifestyles? It's my experience that the there's not that great a difference really between the lifestyle and in Scotland compared to um, the, the UK. In general, like Western society is fair, fairly homogenous. So you go one place, you go to another place. It's not 
that different. They have different names for things, but they have the, the same kinds of things. Uh, the social structures, I guess, are, are, are very similar as well. So there's really not that... And maybe I've been here too long, but like the differences are, are not great. Although I will say... A couple of days ago, I was walking home after work, and I, like, you know what? I said I could go for a fish supper, but it's very hard. To, it's very difficult to buy a fish supper in uh, in the United States. That tragic tale, indeed. Is there something that you always make sure to do when you get back to Scotland? Is that it? The fish supper. Well, I mean, of course, the main thing is just to see my uh, friends and family. That's the that's the principal uh, reason for for going back. Anything else is uh, neither here nor there. But make sure to see my uh, nieces and nephew and uh, family and all that stuff. That's that's the main thing. Hmm, lovely. Do you own and wear a kilt, and does it confuse your American friends? I do own a kilt, I do wear a kilt, and it you do get a lot of questions. It does uh, break the ice uh, in, a, in a lot of places. So, um, so yes, people are very uh, interested. So I was in, so I went to a Burns Night in DC six weeks ago, at University of Glasgow Burns Night, and then we went at we went out afterwards just for a just for a, a a nightcap, and these people just came up and started talking to me about um, Scotland and St Andrews and so yeah it does you know, people feel that uh, it's something to remark on but it's also like an icebreaker and it's nothing. Um, it's, it's always been positive. Excellent, yeah. Where's a country that you would like to spend time living in? Uh, New Zealand, Belgium, South Korea, Chile, Mexico. That's a, that's a good list, yeah. Quite a few then. Yes. However, are there any things that stand out and you look upon fondly about your time in St Andrews? Not necessarily academic. There was a good sense of camaraderie when I was there. So we used to play a lot of uh, five-a-side football, like two or three times a week sometimes. And that was a really good, you know, it's good exercise. It's something completely different from solar physics research. It's competitive. Uh, it was just, just a lot of fun. And so that was, like, I really missed that. So the um, when I moved over here, I joined a... Um, uh, five-a-side and uh, seven-a-side league but it wasn't quite the same so and people um, there's a different sort of um, feeling about soccer in, in the US so yeah so I really missed, uh, missed that sense of uh, just kind of fun you know mm-hmm. yeah nice so moving on to quickfire questions you can take a little less time to answer but feel free to explain your answers if you want to do so What's your go-to karaoke song? Material Girl by uh, Madonna. Material Girl by Madonna, good choice. And country music, yay or nay? That depends on the artist. So if we're talking Johnny Cash, yay. 
Yeah, we're talking almost anyone other than Johnny Cash. <laughs> then they. So, like, old country is, is fine. Do you have a favourite music genre and or song? I have two favourite genres. One would be uh, rap, particularly, like, 80s rap, Public Enemy, things like that. So, you know, looking at Bring the Noise, Welcome to the Terror Dome, that kind of stuff. That's great. Beastie Boys. Uh, also, like, I don't know, like, alternative music, that kind of you know, Smiths onwards kind of stuff. Anything that's kind of loud with brass guitars, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of. But yeah, definitely Public Enemy is just, just amazing. And is there a favourite song in there as well? Of who? I don't know, Public Enemy or... Yeah, Welcome to the Terror Dome. Welcome to the Terror Dome. What the rhymes keep feeling, respect been given, how's your living? Now I can't protect, I paid off defect. Check the record and record, inattentional wreck. Raid off as a minelect, made the call, took the fall, broke the laws. Not my fault that they fallen off. Known as fair square throughout my years. So I growl at the living down, black to the bone, my home is your home. But welcome to the Teladome. What's your go-to takeaway? Is it pizza, Chinese, chippy? It would be a chippy when I'm in Scotland, but... Uh, chippy when you're in Scotland. Yeah, over here, uh, actually, you know, there's a really good uh, Central American restaurant just around the corner from here, so they have a lot of Mexican and El Salvadorian food, and it's just it's just wonderful, so and those people in there are really friendly, and you'll stop by there and just get an amazing, an amazing meal. Mm, sounds good. So last year, NASA was celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, but are you a Star Trek man or a Star Wars man? I think I would be more on the Star Trek side. Good choice. bit controversial, but good choice. Um, I enjoy them both. (laughs) Do you have a favourite actor? What's her name? Um, I can picture her. She was in Sophie's Choice. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Yeah, good choice. Uh-huh. Yeah, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is great. UK or Canadian bacon or American bacon, which do you choose? UK every time. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree I, with I you have on that a, one. I have a friend here who was so uh, discouraged by all the bacon he could buy, he made his own. So he cured his own bacon and left it up the back of his fridge. Oh, so, that, is, that is fantastic. <laughs> so do you like your, your pancakes American or Scotch style, where they're nice and thick, or do you like your thin crepes? I think there's, you know, uh, variety is the spice of life. So if, you're, if you want a buttermilk pancake, you have to go American every time. If you want like a little drop scone pancake that you can just eat without noticing... Scottish. But if you want to go all, you know, continental, then you have to go with a crepe, right? So you can't put an egg you can't put an egg on a on a tiny wee Scottish pancake. So I guess so. Very very diplomatic answer there. Yogurt or ice cream or sorbet, which which do you choose there? I choose gelato. Gelato every time. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Bit controversial. Which country is more scenic, Scotland or America? There is a right answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know what? I went to the Isle of Skye for the first time last year, and that uh, the Isle of Skye is just as beautiful as anything that I've seen in the United States. It really is. Excellent. You chose the correct answer. <laughs> Which, you know, and there's so many different things to see in the United States. Uh, remember, it is United States, right? Yeah. They mm-hmm. are a lot of separate states. And so there's so much to see and, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, you have a smorgasbord of geographical settings, so a lot of choice there. So um, think back, and what is the best pub in St Andrews? You know, I had some really great times in the Central, watching uh, a lot of football. I don't know if it's the... Is it the best pub? Who knows? I had some great times there, though. So I would definitely... uh, yeah, I would go back there. If you had the choice, you would go back to that one. Yeah, what's it like now? Well, it's not my favourite pub. My favourite pub's Waypat, so... <laughs> Wouldn't know. Yeah, the Waypat. Yeah, we used to go to that a lot on a, on a Friday. That was another thing with um, uh, the department, was that um, the staff and the students would get together on a Friday and, and go for a pint at the, at the Waypat. Yeah, that was... Yeah, we used to play a lot of darts in there. It was a, it's a good joint. Surely you have a favourite non-academic book. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Very good choice. The full five books in the trilogy or, or a specific one? Well, the first one is really just, I mean, every paragraph is near perfect. And so the as the arc of the story continues, um, like they definitely uh, change, but they were all written in like very different times. So I think the first two books were written, you know, as as a result of the radio series. You can get really deep into all that Hitchhiker stuff, the radio series, mm-hmm. the TV show, the the records. So, but yeah, definitely Hitchhiker's Guide is like a it's a Practical manual for being a daft scientist. <laughs> it's a strong choice as well. Um, so to finish up the interview, um, no longer quickfire questions. For many students working at institutes like NASA or CERN, seeing these like fantastic but distant goals to achieve, um, do you, how, how do you believe that people can make that kind of dream a reality? One summer, I applied to uh, be a, a student at CERN, but I did not. Uh, was not selected, and I ended up working at the Jodrell Bank Radio Telescope instead. And that was a great summer, uh, learning about pulsars. And I met the I met Bernard Lovell, who um, who who built the thing, and so that was a kind of wonderful experience. Um, I would say that um, there's definitely opportunities out there to, like, if you want to work at these high-profile institutions, then it's definitely possible. You may have to contact the right people and, and, you know, get, just find the right person to talk to at the right time. There's definitely ways of of getting there. So, and then, so I I still have never been to CERN. I I would love to go. 
but you know, given you know earlier on in this interview, I said I had problems with quantum mechanics, so it's probably a good job that I didn't end up there. I guess so, but you know, NASA grabbed you, so that's not bad. Final question: I just wondered if you wanted to take a moment to say hello to anyone at St Andrews who you might have worked with in the past. Uh, yes, actually. So uh, I think I still know a fair number of people there. So I'd like to say hello to uh, Inika, uh, Claire, uh, Alan, uh, Duncan, and uh, Thomas. If they're most, well, I'm pretty sure they're still there, but. Uh, and uh, Andy and uh, Eric and Bernie. Hello to everyone from the United States. There you go, you've covered them all. <laughs> okay, well, this has been fantastic. Um, thanks for agreeing to do this interview and talk with us. It's been really informative and I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much for asking me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Insight, the University of St. Andrews Student Physics Society's podcast. I was your host, Samuel Avery. Thanks to all the wonderful academics of St. Andrews. Join us in the future as we learn more of the people making our education. This podcast was produced by myself and our publicity officer, Connor McBride. To find out more about the Physics Society and what we do, please find us on Facebook or Google St. Andrews Physics Society for our website. Goodbye.